look at the, the common causes of death in this country, I can't remember where it's featured, but on that list you'll get a word iatrogenic, and that means caused by uh, intervention by the medical community. Welcome to the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. Join your host, Mark Slight, as he gets the best information, inspiration, help, and advice from the world's best athletes, performance coaches, and health experts so that you can look, move, and feel your best at 40 and beyond. Remember, it's never too late to live the life of your dreams. Now here's your host, Mark Slight. Hello and welcome back to the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. Today I'm bringing you episode number 41 with Dr. Julie Coffey. Before I even start to introduce Julie, I want to give her a little bit of praise. I'm, I'm not sure if I can really say this, but <laughs> in about 30 seconds, it's going to be too late. But after recording these episodes, um, me and Julie use my dad as a reference a lot in these episodes because, because he sums up what I think a lot of people are like, particularly here in the UK. You know, you've got problems, you've got ailments, definitely, and pills and medication do help these ailments. There's, there's no doubt about it, but there's also times when when medication isn't necessarily the first need you know we we talk about it in this in this episode that if you have a headache sometimes just popping a pill to get rid of the headache isn't the way sometimes you might be dehydrated sometimes you might need a bit of fresh air or to turn your heating off you know there's there's other cures sometimes if you go to the root cause of the problem and simply just popping a pill to mask the problem isn't always the way forward and because of that, and because the amount of pills my my father is on, we, we talked about my dad a lot. And after recording these episodes, Julie actually rang me up and said that she was willing to sit down and, and talk with my dad um, about certain issues in his life. And almost to reiterate the points that I've been saying to my dad, and hopefully by backing up what I've been saying to my dad, because, <laughs> because parents don't listen to their children, hopefully that if it comes from a GP, he might, uh, he might actually listen and might actually take some note. So I'm so, so grateful that that it's the people I connect with. They're just amazing people. And Julie has just summed that up just with one phone call just to say that she would help my dad and just, just have a conversation with him is amazing. And people like this in the world, you, you need to stay close to them. You know, you need to connect with people like this because they are truly some of the best people in the world. So I mentioned at the ep- at the end of episode 40 that I've got four episodes coming up here, two with Julie Coffey, two with Lacey Chittle all the way from the States. And I've put these back to back because they've both got a very similar message. Both guests are looking at the root cause of problems, not popping pills, not trying to find the quick solution, the easy solution, looking at what is causing all the problems in the first place and eradicating them in a, in a safe and often quite easy way. If you're just willing to take the time, you're willing to to listen to people like like Julie and like Lacey and to, to maybe take a different approach. If you've been going to your GP for, let's say, 10 years with, with gut issues and you've tried pill after pill after pill after pill and it's still not working, I challenge you now to, to listen to Julie and listen to Lacey and to take a different approach. What have you got to lose? You know, if you've been going backwards and forwards for 10 or 20 years to the doctors and it's not working... What have you really got to lose by taking this different approach, going down the route of functional medicine and trying to find the the root cause of what is actually going on? So I want you to sit down. I want you to listen to these episodes now with a very open mind. If you're suffering with ailments 
And I'm talking anything, gut health ailments, you know, maybe you're suffering with indigestion, with that bloated feeling after you're eating, maybe it's something more severe, maybe it's diabetes, maybe there's some heart conditions, liver conditions, high cholesterol, stress, whatever your ailments are, I challenge you, please sit down with an open mind, listen to these two amazing and beautiful ladies and look at taking a different approach. Just look at some areas in your life that you can change today to improve your overall health. Both Julie and Lacey have a great way of approaching situations and at looking at the root cause. So please, please listen to these episodes, take away what you can, and don't forget all the details to connect with both myself, Julie, and Lacey in future episodes will be in the show notes. So please, please head over to the show notes, connect with these ladies, and get some advice. Go to them, contact them about your conditions, about your ailments, and see what they can do for you, because I guarantee you they can help you. So please, as always, sit back, grab a glass of water, grab your green tea, and enjoy the following episodes with Dr. Julie Coffey. Julie, welcome to the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. It's great to have you on. Well, thanks, Mark. Thank you for having me on. Um, I love it. I love what we're going to talk about today. Um, We've just been talking off off air, if you like, about a few things. It's going to be fascinating. I love the fact we've got a GP on the podcast, and I love the fact you're going to just confirm so many points that I tell my clients all the time. Um, I don't want to get into my dad's history too much on the podcast because a lot of people connected to me will know my dad's history. But just, just briefly for those who don't, he's had two and a half years ago, he had back-to-back heart attacks, which in my view were largely preventable um, f- through lifestyle changes previously. He's only 60, he was 65 when he had the heart attacks. Um, pre- about six months before that, he was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, um, which come through poor lifestyle choices. He'd suffered with things like high blood pressure and stress throughout his life, uh, lack of exercise, poor nutrition. And I say poor nutrition, not, mass, not massive amounts of takeaways, things like that, but just quite a heavily processed diet, um, which has ultimately led to this, this point um, in his life where he had these back-to-back heart attacks. Also, COPD was another thing he had um through years of smoking um at 65 he'd probably smoked for 50 years um but my dad is very much of the mindset that he will go to a gp like yourself and they will give him a pill to sort the conditions out type 2 diabetes comes straight to mind because i told him six months before he was diagnosed with it that he was probably pre-diabetic and he wouldn't believe me and you just said this before it's because i'm his son and he probably he probably won't take advice from his son and i get that but then he will go to the GP and he'll almost be excited that the GP has found a reason why he's feeling tired, a reason why he's having these peaks and these troughs. And he's got a pill and he's, he's, he's happy. He's got a pill. He's going to be fixed. He's going to be cured. How many people do you see coming to you that, that want this pill in the first place to cure everything? Loads, loads and loads of people. You know, I think uh, we are, as a society, conditioned to expect a pill um and you know that's been that's been filled and i'm sure it's a plan by the pharmaceutical company to to make us think like that uh, because you know they make a lot of money out of this kind of thing they would uh, probably not like it if uh, there was some, some kind of health revolution and we got healthy because uh, most of these tablets would go down the toilet yeah that's, that's a lot of people out of work then a lot of people out of work including me 
um, at least that type of work. Uh, but your dad is very, very typical of what, what walks into a typical GP surgery. You know, he had his, his back-to-back heart attacks two and a half years ago, but this was in the making decades before. Um, and depending on, you know, your genetic makeup depends on how quickly this catches up with you because some people it's in their late 40s that um, these kind of diet and lifestyle choices catch up. And sometimes it kills you. Your dad's does all right. So, you know, he's got, he's got a chance to get himself healthier. But yeah, it's, it's a very, very typical surgery, um, story, Mark. And high blood pressure is obviously the introduction to the medical profession that people get. And then they're on the treadmill. And your dad actually demonstrates that beautifully. He comes with blood pressure. Um, and then it's the, the type 2 diabetes. Then it's the, the heart attack. They've all got a common cause. And it's diet and lifestyle. And all of those are preventable uh, in most people. Yeah. So just to explain to the viewers then, although you are a, a working GP at the moment, recently you had a bit of a, a switch, didn't you? Where you've, you've gone away from the medical and the, and the prescriptions and the pills and you're starting to look at a more natural whole approach and you're starting to look at things like lifestyle and, and stress and diet as the root cause for these illnesses rather than as, as my dad's GP or GPs, if you like, will just give him a pill as soon as he walks in the door. You're, you're not really for that at the moment, right? Well, I've got a kind of a foot in both camps, Marks, for a number of reasons. And, um, you know, you, you mentioned that some people are happy to take the, the pills. And I think that comes from they're happy to actually put the responsibility across the table to the doctor for their health. Um, and there's also, I think, a genuine fear. You know, we live in a fear-based society. You know, if they try and do this themselves and they go against what the, uh, the doctor says, who apparently knows better, that they're going to get really ill and die. So there's a lot of this fed into people so they're perhaps a little bit frightened to go against the advice that they're given by the doctor uh, and then they take the pills and, and as I say there is a lot of this um, I'm not taking responsibility for my health you can do it doctor I've, I certainly feel that um, and for those people I'm not going to sit there and argue with them um, but there are some people a bit more enlightened and they think you know, I've got type 2 diabetes, I've got high blood pressure, why have I got it? You know, why has this happened to me? And I'll say, well, you tell me a little bit about you and I'll be probably be able to tell you in about five seconds why you've got it. Um, and in those people who are genuinely interested in their body, genuinely interested in using this as a wake-up call, um, I point them in the right direction. We talk about it, how these, these common illnesses that afflict us in the West, like high blood pressure, heart attacks, type 2 diabetes, COPD, you know, we've caused them all, uh, sometimes just by not thinking, sometimes thinking um, that it's not going to happen to us and we're invincible. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it does, which is why uh, doctors were not going to be out of a job anytime soon. Yeah. But I've got great passion, you know, the human body is an absolutely amazing, amazing thing. And it breaks my heart when I see people using, abusing it, and, uh, you know, the, the self-harm and literally suicide on installment plan with their, their diet and lifestyle choices. And, you know, you, you could lift the bonnet on what's going on in their body and show them they would be shocked, really, really shocked. Yeah. So why, why do we seem so, oh, so against the fact that there can actually be a simple solution to the problem? Like using my dad again as an example. So he's on tablet number one for example for his heart since he's had his heart attacks tablet number one is now essential he's got himself to a point where he has to have that medication he can't do anything about it but then he'll find that he gets a headache 
So he then goes to the GP who gives him a tablet for his headache. So that's tablet number two. The side effect of tablet number two is it makes him feel a little bit sick. So he has tablet number three to quell the sickness. That then causes him some, some low energy levels. So he has tablet number four to pick his energy levels up. And he gets around this, this big loop where he has like nine pills. He gets to tablet number nine and he says, well, that doesn't work with tablet number one. So you start to get all these side effects and problems from this, this big circle of pills that he's on. Whereas in my mind, the simple idea would be, well, you've got a headache. Go and get some fresh air. Look at simple things like, are you dehydrated? Which is something I've talked about him, with him recently. And I know that to be the case, but he would never listen to the fact that it could be that simple that he's not drinking enough water. It's, it must be more complicated than that. He's got a headache for some hugely complex reason. and He must go to a GP who will give him this, this pill to sort it out. Why do some people seem reluctant to look at the real basics, which nine times out of 10 will, will, will um, repair the problem? I think people just want to carry on doing what they're doing, Mark, and they don't want to make changes. Uh, and you're quite right about, about what you've said. Um, one of the, uh, I'm not sure where it rates, but if you look at the, the common causes of death in this country, I can't remember where it's featured, but on that list, you'll get a word iatrogenic, and that means caused by uh, intervention by the medical community. Uh, much of it by drugs um, occasionally when you know surgery goes wrong but it's on that list as a cause of death um, it's it should never be a light thing going into taking sort of medication yeah and unfortunately uh, once you're taking one you're you're like aspirin is a is a prime example if you've got yourself into the situation where you've got heart disease you will benefit from taking aspirin unless you wake up and reverse it all, of course. But while you're taking aspirin, you're going to benefit from something that's going to stop the potential side effect of a, um, a stomach ulcer, which could have you bleeding to death. You know, That's why these days people are on things like omeprazole, lansoprazole, these proton pump inhibitors to prevent this iatrogenic, iatrogenic cause of death from um, the medication that people are taking from a preventable illness. Um, <laughs> But yeah, people, a lot of people come in to me about headache and the first thing I ask about is their hydration and usually it's lacking somewhat um, and they look at me gone out thinking and I just think, God, you know, they want, um, they want a prescription. They don't even want to give a week's trial of hydrating properly. They want to walk out of here with a prescription. I just don't get that. Whereas uh, a minority of people will go, all right, if, if, as long as you give me an appointment where I can come back and see you, if it doesn't work, I'll try it. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, they don't come back and see me because the problem was something really simple that yeah. they don't need to take pharmaceutical drugs either over the counter or prescribed by me to, to get rid of. Yeah. And I, I, I sat there with my, with my dad the other night and he was, he started off with some, some joint problems and, and then he mentioned a headache and it was this that started me to think about his dehydration levels. And there were so many different things that he said he was, um, I asked him a few questions like when you, when you go from sitting to standing, do you get dizzy? Do you, do you suffer with this? Do you sweat much? All these kind of things. I'm like, in my head, everything's pointing to dehydration. And I said exactly what you've just said. Try it for a week. And I looked at what he's eating. I said, well, you should be drinking probably about four to five pints of water a day. What do you drink? He said, well, I have four to five cups of tea a day, a bit of, bit of water when I take my pills, that kind of thing. I'm like, you are massively dehydrated. And I can tell that. Yeah. But, but he won't try that. He won't give it that week to try something so ridiculously simple, which could end up curing three or four problems that he's got at once. 
but yeah. he won't. He'll, he'll happily take three or four different pills, one for his joints, one for his uh, lethargy, one for his headaches and all this kind of stuff. But it's too basic for him. And there is, like for me, I, I always say processed food is a huge factor in so many of these illnesses. Um, you can kind of, we look at type 2 diabetes, processed food, we can throw at diabetes straight away as a massive cause for type 2 diabetes. Um, mm. I guess you see that a lot as well. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, when I was at medical school, Mark, uh, type 2 diabetes was called uh, diabetes of older, uh, um, old age, old age, no, what was it called? It's too long ago. Uh, <laughs> and it was older age diabetes anyway, um, of late onset, diabetes of late onset, because we would expect to be seeing this in people in their 60s and 70s as the lifestyle choices were gradually catching up with them. <clears throat> but um, I know in, in my surgery, we've got people in their late 20s with type 2 diabetes now. Um, and it's, it's because of what they're eating. Yeah. It's because of the, the, the sugar. It, it's because of the refined carbohydrates um, and, and then other lifestyle factors that come in and, and add to that. And, uh, you know, to call this stuff food is, you know, bizarre because it's not. It's not food anymore. It's like something out of a science fiction cartoon because it's so far removed from what nutrition is. It's, it's just unbelievable. You know, people <clears throat> accept that if you put um, petrol in a diesel car, the car's not going to work. But, you know, if you put the wrong food into human body, um, don't seem to make the, the connection perhaps because the you know the time it takes longer you know if you put the wrong petrol in a car you know all about it straight away and there's a time delay for the human body um mind you if you could see it under microscope it actually happens immediately you know if you if you look at the studies uh, at the um the alterations in in um, your blood vessels uh, your hormonal profile if you look at that immediately after eating a plate full of rubbish it's all there and, 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 you know, when this plays out of time, when you do the same thing day after day, week after week, then it becomes real. You know, it becomes real. You, you, you're going to hospital with your heart attack. Hey, this is Mark Slight from Health Buddy. I want to know if you've taken the Health Buddy Challenge yet. A short five-day program that covers every aspect of your life so that you can look, move, and feel your best. If you want to try the Health Buddy Challenge, head over now to healthbuddy.fit and take the challenge today. And I think with, with diabetes, if we stick with that for a minute, we think that it comes from sweet food. It comes with, which obviously does chocolates, biscuits, cakes, that kind of thing. But people don't realize the the amount of sugar and the damage that processed food in their, in their savory food does to them as well. So they're processed dinners that they might go, you know, mum has gone to Iceland and, you know, mum's killing her kids because she's gone to Iceland. But um, all the processed foods where there's this hidden sugars in all these foods and hidden palm oils and everything which is contributing to type 2 diabetes. But we don't see that, do we? So much. No, it's hidden. Um, good reason. It's like, you know, you take Heinz tomato soup, you know, and you look on how much sugar's in that. I don't know if you've ever made a tomato soup, um, Mark, but do you put sugar in it? I mean, no, why, why would you put sugar in it? But any sort of tin soup or, you know, I make my own sort of baked beans. Um, I don't put sugar in that. Why would you do that? But, you know, there's loads of it in, in any tin baked beans. Uh, and then, you know, shed loads of salt as well. Um, it's, it's just not food. It's not food. <laughs> because it's not food, body doesn't know what to do with it. And you know, we're just gradually poisoning ourselves when we eat this kind of stuff. At least the volumes 
um, that, that people are eating it. Yeah. Well, I know you don't like supermarkets very much. And I always say that the only part of the supermarket that you should really go in is, is actually the first 10%. You, you know, you walk through your fruit and veg section, yeah. which is generally the smallest section in the supermarket. And then the rest of it is crap. The rest of it is what's killing you. Um, yeah. where, where do you get your food from if you don't go to a supermarket? I, I do go to supermarket now and then, um, but not very often. And I don't, I don't like it because it just annoys me. Uh, <laughs> you know, this huge building full of rubbish, it's killing people. I've, I'm really fortunate that just down the road from me, uh, I've got this place uh, called Beanies. It's like, um, it's like a green grocer's, but it's a health food shop as well. You know, they've got the seeds and the nuts and all kinds of healthy things. And they're, they're quite knowledgeable about this, this, this kind of stuff too. They've got um the, the the kind of egg and cheese and the milk that they sell comes from you know better sources than than the supermarket thing now i'll go I've, i'm also lucky that there's a supermarket in sheffield that is a much more sort of whole food and you can go and buy stuff that's really healthy for cheaper than what they sell it in the, in the supermarket too because you know they're even making excessive money out of the healthy stuff that they sell us um so yeah i i, I don't actually like I, I do go out of convenience sometimes, but on the whole, I don't. And, and one of the reasons it, it annoys me, another reason is that I just don't like lining the pockets of um, corporations that are gradually killing us. Yeah, yeah, I agree totally. And actually, just you saying about the, the word whole foods there just, just rung a bell. Um, I was talking with a client last week and I was tr- she's got IBS, um, bless her, really, really quite badly. So I was trying to get her to a more natural whole food diet. And I was, I was recommending the, the use of things like giant couscous bulgur wheat pearl barley that kind of thing she said to me oh, i do have couscous i have couscous nearly every day i said well that that's great that's a great start but what she was doing was having the processed couscous that she was getting from the shops so i think um i can name drop because i'm sure he's not listening but like the ainsley harriet sort of packets where it's got all the it's got the flavors in it and it's got the dried vegetables and the sugar and the salt and so and I said, well, it's that that's, that's doing you some damage. It's not the fact that you're having couscous because you're not really having couscous, are you? It's like couscous dust in amongst the load yeah. of chemical shit, basically. Yeah. If you went to the, the actual whole food, the couscous, as it should be eaten, you'll see a great benefit from that. But we're, again, we're so conditioned to having this processed crap in our diet all the time, we don't really know any different. Yeah, and I guess it's a shame when, um, you know, a, a well-known chef will put their name to stuff that's not healthy. Uh, it's another layer of almost deception, I think, you know, because a lot of people aren't, well, they're, they're not experts on, on nutrition and can very easily be misled with this kind of thing. But we can be sold anything, can't we? I was actually, I was watching some TV last night and um, I, I generally fast forward through adverts because I hate adverts, but... There, there was a few adverts come up. One was for dog food, funnily enough. And then, and then there was some human food as well. And they can sell you anything. And it's like um, the dog food one was oh, it's full of natural ingredients and there's no processed food. In it, there's no colors, preservatives, that kind of thing. Oh, that's a load of rubbish. But people will believe that because they've been told that. Then there was a diet drink or a diet plan come on. And this is the most nutritious thing, all natural products. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, what a load of crap. There's, you know, it's going to be processed food. You know, there's going to be a lot of shit in there, but people believe it because that's what they're told. And when we're repeatedly told the same thing by these big corporations, these big markets, the supermarkets, everything, it's, it starts to be believed by so many people because there's not enough people telling them 
about the natural way to do things. So if there's, if there's say you telling someone how to do something naturally, you're one in a hundred and they're going to listen to the other 99 because that's what they hear all the time. Well, that's it. I mean, our beliefs are made out of the thoughts that we have. Uh, but a, uh, a, great, a great definition of a belief is a belief is a thought that you keep having long enough for it to become a belief. And this is what marketers know. They know that the, the more often they get their product in our consciousness, and if it's got the healthy label on it, we will believe that it's healthy. Yeah. Um, I mean, my general rule of thumb, if it needs an advert, it's not healthy. You know, I mean, how many adverts do you see for apples, broccoli, um, sort of natural seeds and nuts? If you don't, because, you, you know, that's so my general rule of thumb. If there's an advert, it's been on a TV advert or big billboard, you know, avoid it because it's probably going to do some damage. Yeah, definitely. I've got a similar idea that if, if a product you buy has, has a list of ingredients or, or cooking guidelines on it, you don't need to buy it because potatoes don't come with a list of ingredients. Potatoes don't come with cooking guidelines, broccoli, carrots, everything else. The food that you should be eating, you should kind of, you should know how to cook, I think. And you shouldn't yeah, I mean, that, and that's, that's, that's a big problem as well. And in the area that I work, um, I worked in a, in a deprived area of Sheffield. And one of the, the big problems I realised working there was that there just seems to be this cohort of younger people coming through now that don't know how to cook. So it's all very well me sitting there saying, you know, this is a better way to eat. It's a better way to feed the children. It's just like, well... I don't know how to, I don't even know what a lentil is, let alone how to cook one Dr. Coffee. <laughs> I'm like, now, yeah, kind of up against it here. Really, yeah. you know, it's, it's a really endemic problem. You know, mm -hmm. I think, you know, I've got people my age and perhaps your age at least got some memory what real, real food is and what you do with it. But there is a big cohort of people coming through now who don't. Yeah, well, you've got to think we're, the, we're like the third generation now that's had this processed food. And there's, there's children being brought up that, their parents don't know how to cook, so they can't pass that skill on. Whereas maybe your mum and my yeah. mum have taught us how to cook. Yeah. Younger kids coming up haven't had that. And you said about having people come to your, your surgery with diabetes in their late 20s. You start to hear and see of it on the news of, of children at six, seven years of age having diabetes. And that 30 years ago would be unheard of. But it's just, if we just quickly go before we wrap up this this episode, that we talked about the genes, diabetes, diabetic genes before, and I forget the figures, but I think if both your parents have got diabetes, you have maybe a 50% chance of having that in your genes. One parent gives you like a 38% chance and so on. But okay, it could be in your genes. Like you said, you have to, you have to trigger that gene in the first place. You're looking after your health. The chances of you getting diabetes are very remote, even though both your parents might have diabetes. But there's a lifestyle thing coming in here, isn't there? If both parents are eating crap food from Iceland every night the child of six or seven years old he's eating crap food or she's eating crap food every night as well they are then going to get these conditions at a much earlier age than what than what we should be getting them if we get them at all oh absolutely you know and and you know I, I I talk to people at work about you know if you carry on eating like this you could get a b c d and up to z and, and they'll come out with some complete Muppet talk about some sort of ancient relative of 95 who smoked like a trooper, eating what he wants yep. and still alive and kicking. And it is Muppet talk because, you know, you don't, we don't know exactly what's in our genes. Um, I know, as we talked before we, we came on this podcast, that I'll have type 2 diabetes within my genes. I only have to look at my parents for that. But I also know... 100% I won't get type 2 diabetes because I have to do something to switch them on for them to come out and I 
I'm not doing it and will not do it. Um, it's the same with smoking. You know, not every smoker gets lung cancer. It's the ones that have it hidden in their genes and they switch it on by introducing cigarette smoke and everything else into their bodies. And so you're, you're playing a game of roulette, really, when you choose the, the unhealthy things. You don't know what you're going to get, but you're probably going to get something. Yeah, and the quality of life surely comes into that as well. Okay, you may have a 95-year-old relative who's drunk whiskey every day and smoked every day and they're still alive, but what's their quality of life like? Are they walking up the stairs wheezing? Do they have to stop every time they go up two steps? And, you know, your, your skin condition, you've, you've lost all the, all the strength in your bones and your muscles and everything else. So, all right, you might be alive at 95, but you're not really alive at 95, are you? Not really. And, um, you know, these people that do survive with all that abuse, they'd probably be the people that would be extremely, um, you know, have extreme longevity in good health. But they won't, you know, yeah. they'll only get to 95, which is, you know, we all say, oh, that's a good age. Uh, and that's because we compare to ourselves to what's going on, um, compare ourselves to people who have lived a life on the slow road to suicide plan with their diet and lifestyle choices yeah yeah totally agree right thank you julie we're going to wrap up there episode one um oh, and we'll come back you. in a couple of days time and we're going to get into this in a bit more detail um i've loved it i've loved the first episode i can't wait to come back and talk again all right yeah i'm looking forward to it too mark awesome speak to you soon all right bye for now hopefully there in them first 20 minutes you started to get the idea of what what we're talking about and how we're going to take this approach over the next few episodes but please bear in mind we are just brushing over the surface there there are so many issues and ailments and conditions we can't possibly talk about them all on the podcast but I'm sure you're getting the idea that if we go to the root cause of all the problems instead of trying to mask it with a pill we're going to see better results and we're going to see sustainable results and you'll know from listening to my podcast I'm all about that sustainability not just a quick fix not just a quick diet or a quick pill something that can change our life forever I remember adding life to your years not just years to your life is so so important and the way you feel now if you're suffering with any of these ailments it's not normal you don't have to feel like that you know having indigestion after every food every mouthful of food is not normal. You don't have to have that. You don't have to put up with headaches every time you sit in front of a computer screen. You don't have to put up with all these ailments that, that you just you just suffer from every day and you think you've had it for so long. It's the norm. It is not the norm. You don't have to feel like this. So please, please start to look at the root cause of what is causing it and just stop reaching for the over-the-counter remedies. So I'm aware that was a little bit of a longer episode as well. So I don't want to take up too much of your time now. Please go over to the show notes. Check out my own Path to Happiness program that's out this January. Remember, the doors close at the end of January, so don't miss out. They might actually close well before then because I'm sure the spaces will go long before the end of January. Please connect with Julie. Uh, her, her details are in the show notes. Even if you just connect with her on Instagram and you watch her on Facebook and you watch her live videos, she gives great information, great insights into how she works and, and ways you can help your own life. So please, please connect with Julie. And as Julia said, that if you if you need more help, please reach out. Please contact her. She's, she's trying to help as many people as she possibly can, as we all are. So please go over and contact Julie. Other than that, we'll come back in a few days' time for part two with Julie and episode number 42 of the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast.